from Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki at Squits, and on today's show, I go solo to tell the whole ridiculous and frustrating story of creating the fifth day topping skirt. I share what went wrong in production, how the factory works in these situations, and my thoughts on dating in general and dating so young. Hello, lovelies. It is currently 4.52, Friday afternoon, August 12th, and I promised that I would record this episode and release it as soon as the whole crazy story of the fifth day top and skirt was over, and it finally is. And so here we are. I have just enough time before Shabbos to do this. I don't know if I'll have enough time to publish it before Shabbos, but I can certainly record it. And wow. Where where to even start? So first of all, spoiler alert, I'll give you the ending. Um, all of the pre-orders are packed. All of them are out. If you did pre-order, you should have tracking information in your email. If not already, have a lovely piece of clothing in your hands by the time that you're listening to this. I, um, uh, I, 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 going all the way back to the very beginning, it has been... I was about to say it has been a very long time since a particular design has had so many hiccups along the way. But now as I'm thinking that and saying it out loud, I think that the fifth date top and skirt may have run into the largest number of arbitrary, dumb, objectively stupid just little tiny snafus along the way and they just piled one on top of the other on top of the other on top of the other um in a lot of ways this was my worst nightmare um one of the main reasons why i was hesitant to even use the pre-order model when i started with it um almost over two years ago almost two years ago over two i don't know i'm too tired to think of the concept of time right now but when i did first start it i i was terrified of this scenario of promising a ship date and then not being able to meet it um it sucked <laughs> it was it sucked it 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 just it was awful um it I, it I just felt so terrible that I had you know I had taken orders I had promised something and it I just wasn't able to meet that promise and Oh God, I hope that never happens again. I mean, realistically, it might. Um, but I do want to say that I, I I mean, everyone who pre-ordered was such a doll, really such a doll. I was in close contact with um, everyone who had pre-orders, letting them know what went on um, and kind of where we were holding. Um, obviously, I give everyone the option to cancel if they were no longer interested in. Only one person canceled, which... I was like, I was expecting everyone to cancel. Um, Only one person cancels and it was for like a logistical reason. I think she was, she she had ordered to an address that she was staying at and then she was no longer going to be at that address and and she lives out of country and she didn't want to deal with uh, customs and things. I was like, okay, I I hear that. That's legit. Um, But everyone was just so nice about it. So 
that's where that's where I have to start. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you so much for your understanding. Let me tell you what happened because it's I mean, it's comical. It's truly comical. OK, so the design, the, my usual design process is that I design a piece. I bring it to the factory, we make a sample and then we um, double check that the sample is good. Then we make the sample in um, a like the other sizes and colors. I'll usually have those made in plus sizes and then everything gets photographed. We do the pre-order and then the production starts. Um, the actual design process for the fifth day top and skirt was actually really fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. There was definitely, you really get a sense for this if you follow me on Instagram and you watch the WIP, stands for work in progress. Um, story highlights there's a work in progress top and a work in progress skirt um highlight in my stories on my page and you what i really loved about both of these items about creating both of these items is that it was really a challenge it was really a challenge i knew exactly the kind of vibe that i wanted to go for but i didn't know the i i, I had a feeling i didn't necessarily have a picture and it's very difficult to pattern a feeling um, but I really did have a very fun time doing it there were definitely parts that were more and less exasperating there were definitely parts that were difficult um, I would say with the skirt specifically it kind of all came together quickly and slowly if that makes sense like I like I said I had this idea in my head I had this feel for what I wanted it to be I knew that I wanted to have like a go day area I knew that I wanted to have asymmetry like I knew the feelings and things that I had and I struggled with fitting all these different pieces together for I think it was like maybe two days and then once I figured it out it, it like just snapped into place and it all came together very quickly um and then with the top I created that as well just again just slowly and quickly I played around with a lot of different drapings I played around with a lot of different shapes um just a lot of different ways to to kind of make something that was special but still very very wearable and something that you could you know get a lot of wear out of in a lot of different scenarios and and it and it did just kind of snap together like once it worked it worked and then everything just finished very quickly so I designed it I bring it to the factory. Um, it took me also before then a very long time to find the fabric for the fifth date top. Uh, it's a very specific kind of rib knit that I wanted to use. Um, it's called a one by one rib. So what it basically is, is that it is the construction of a rib knit, but it is a very fine, fine, fine rib. So it doesn't have that kind of striped look that you can get with some rib fabrics because the stripes are so close to each other that they that they kind of look as one and it creates for this really 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 soft just super luxurious feel which was really important to me so that fabric took forever to find um the fabric for the fifth day skirt actually I had from a while like I, I saw it I knew it I was like great this is what this is what I'm going to use for this like vague skirt idea that I have in my head samples get made they look great um then I go to you know, we, we like photograph and everything like we have, we make the plus samples and it all like everything really goes straight up until when the pre-order is over. So it goes through pre-order. Everything's going well. Uh, first step after pre-order closes is that I order the fabric. I order the amount of fabric that I need based on how much was pre-ordered. 
this particular fabric vendor is based in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know if this has to do with COVID restrictions in LA. I'm not familiar with what the COVID restrictions in LA are. Um, what I do know is that this particular fabric vendor has a very slow warehouse. Um, it takes them a while to, like when I say it takes them a while to ship, I mean, it doesn't take a while for things to get from LA to New York, even though that does take a couple days. It takes a while for them to get, like after from when I place the order until the item is out of their warehouse, um, they're just much slower. Most most vendors will get an item out the same day or the next day. By them, they're just, usually it'll take them maybe two days, two, three days, um, which is annoying, but whatever, it is what it is. So this, in this particular case though, oh, the reason why I'm not sure about COVID restrictions is that they keep saying that like they're slowed down due to COVID. So I don't know if that's because of like actual COVID restrictions in Los Angeles, which I know are very different from a lot of other cities or because they just can't get their act together and are therefore just blaming COVID. Um, but either way, this time I placed the fabric order with them. They're like, great, we have your order. It'll go out as soon as possible. And I'm like, fantastic. Send me tracking information once you have it. And then they never shipped it. <laughs> it just wasn't, um, it just wasn't shipped. And I wasn't, I, bleh, bleh, bleh. it just wasn't shipped. Um, and like the way that it works getting stuff started in production is that basically I go to the factory, I let them know what is coming from where and what to expect. And then once they have everything, they start. Um, so the factory told us, you know, by the way, we can't start, we don't have this fabric. So I reach out to the vendor and they're like oh yeah we're really backed up it'll probably ship out today and this was like maybe a week and a half after i had ordered which is annoying but like fine not the end of the world um as but i say fine not the end of the world but like at that point that was a week and a half that was just wasted it was really just down the drain and i do build time for delays into my production schedule like you make room for these things but there's only so many delays that you can have. Um, and that did eat up a significant amount of the time that I'd set aside for delays. But I'm like, okay, fine. There's always some little thing that goes wrong in production. This is the thing that went wrong. You know, we'll move on. It'll all be great. They finally get it out. They finally ship it to me. I forgot what day it was. But uh, one, it was a Monday. I'm pretty sure it was a Monday. I get a call from the factory and they say none of your fabric arrived and I'm thinking that doesn't make sense this was maybe like another week and a half after it was supposed to have arrived and they're saying we and the factory the factory tells me we don't have any we don't have your fabric we don't have any of your fabric um we did get more fabric for the denim dress though are we supposed to be making those and I'm like what are you even talking about like that was very confusing to me the denim for the all-american dress comes from a totally different vendor it would be strange that they would just send something randomly something very weird is happening so i go and i check the chat i check the tracking of these fabrics for the 50 top and skirt and i see that they like arrived and were signed for and you know they they arrived and i'm like something here is very very wrong i'm just gonna go into the factory so i jump in the subway run into the factory and i see like at first it was genuinely very confusing. Um, so fabrics come in different widths. So think about the width of the fabric as the height of the roll um, because the length is just like the continue. Like if you order, I don't know, 
500 yards, then that's the length of what's on your roll. And the width of that fabric is going to be however high that roll needs to be. So the fabric for the 58 skirt is much um, thinner than the fabric for the 58 top. So in this box, that was a very tall box because the um, 58 top fabric is very tall. Um, there were there were some rolls that were very tall and some rolls that were very short. So the factory told me that they didn't have any of the 58 skirt fabric. And I'm thinking that doesn't make sense. And I go in and I see two things. Number one, the fabric was there. It was just in this very long box. So it was towards the bottom of the box. So they just didn't see it, which is fine. Honest mistake. That happens. Um, but there is a roll of fabric that is labeled with the name and the style number and the color of the 58 top fabric of that beautiful one by one rib knit and it's just not it it is a roll of denim it's a roll of heavy duty denim um which is not what I ordered and not what I need <laughs> um oh which was so frustrating it was so frustrating it was just so it was I can't ugh, ugh, that's how it felt it felt like bleh. it was just so difficult to like wrap my head around especially because we had already been delayed from the fabric not being able to get out and now there's like this freak annoying thing that was really just based on the fabric vendor's own incompetence that's really what it was um I'm annoyed now and I'm a little tired so maybe I'm being a little bit harsher than I would otherwise it was an honest mistake things happen um but also it was basic incompetence so I immediately get in touch with the fabric vendor I send the pictures of the you know, this is the role. It's it's obviously mislabeled. Please get me my fabric ASAP. And they tell me that they can overnight it um, so that it'll be in New York the next day, which is what they did. Here's the problem. Factories run. They have to run. Let me put it this way. Good factories have to be very organized, especially in a New York City factory that is not as big as you would think it is. So, um, and, and in particular, my factory in particular, um, their floor is about half devoted to handwork um, and to beading work. Um, they do designer gowns um, for huge brands that you've definitely heard of. And unfortunately, I can't say their names right now. Um, but like think of your favorite red carpet gown type brand and my factory sews for them, um, which is why you get the best quality like fabric with my like the best quality work with with my designs and I'm so grateful to be working with them um so my factory has about half of their floor filled with mannequins with gowns um devoted to you know the handwork that is associated with those types of dresses so we're talking about appliqueing lace and working on hems and horse hair and all those things then they have um about a third of the floor that is machines sewing machines and all different types of machines they have a small area with pressing and then they have their cutting tables. So what a cutting table is, is exactly what it sounds like. It is a giant table where the fabric can be laid out, um, stacked, like layers of fabric can be laid out, stacked one on top of the other so that you can cut items. Now they, because they do two very different types of work, they do, um, you know, applique gowns, things that need to be cut one at a time. And then they do like slightly more mass produced items like mine that can be cut multiples they can't be cut like 100 at a time but they they can be cut in multiples um so they have two cutting tables in my factory um the 
one of those cutting tables is devoted exclusively to the designer gowns. So there's always like, oh, the most beautiful lace um, over on those tables. And then the other one of the cutting tables is devoted to their non-designer clients. So you get one slot, meaning if your item is on the table, then that is your time to cut. And if something happens that causes things to get hold, held up, you're not just holding up your own production, you're holding up everybody else's production. The factory has, you know, a, a bunch of clients. So like sometimes it'll happen with like, I'll do the math wrong and they, um, and like I won't have enough lining or something. I always order extra of the main fabrics, but I won't have enough lining, let's say, of the, um, you know, for what I need. Now my lining happens to come from a guy who is right next to the factory. So what happens, let's say, if I run out of fabric or I run out of lining is that the whatever they started laying out, let's say if they're, you know, they ran out, you know, they're a couple of garments short or whatever, whatever they started laying out will be just there on the table, hogging space, waiting to be cut until the right amount of fabric gets there. And it's a lot of work to lay the fabric out on the table. So it's not so simple to just you know, put it down and then pick it up. Once they've already got some of it laid out on the table, it's, it's like that was already a significant amount of work to get to that point. So losing your spot in the cutting line is a big deal because once you, because they need to keep everyone on track, then once you lose your spot, you get bumped to the back of the line because there was a problem with your production. There was a problem with your fabric. So it's not like they're going to make everybody else wait just so that I can get my problem resolved. They're going to move on to the next person and put me at the back of the line, which is a good system. <laughs> I'm not arguing that the it's a good system. It's a very good system. It keeps them on schedule. Their other clients should not have to pay for something that happened to me um, and something that I, I will take 100% full ownership of the fact that the that fabric had arrived a little bit earlier. If I would have opened up the box and looked at it, I could have seen earlier that it was the wrong fabric and I could have resolved it earlier. But we didn't realize, you know, it wasn't discovered until it was time to actually cut. So because of that, that pushed us back really, really, really far. Because it's not only losing your spot on the cutting table, because think about it, once things get cut, they get sewn. There's only so many machines. There's only so many sewers. There's only so many, you know, there's only so many garments that they can sew in a day. And we got pushed to the back of the line. <sighs> so that's the basic gist. Oh, then there was a problem with the overlock machines. That was fun. The problem with an overlock machines that took them like half a day. So we lost a little bit of time there also to resolve those. Um, it was just very frustrating. It was just very frustrating because through like there wasn't really much that we could do about it. There wasn't really much we could do about it. It was just it was just a screw up there. It just was. Um, and it was it was frustrating. It was hard. And now it's over. So yay. <laughs> now it's done. Now we're on the other side of it. And this is just a little bit of what can go on a production. Now, usually like some tiny thing will go wrong. Oh, they ran out of labels. That happens also in this production. I had to order new um, new hang tags and new labels and things like that. Um, but I, I already had those on order because I knew that we were running low. But I thought that we had enough to get through this production run and we didn't. So that was a little bit delayed. But like usually there's only one of these tiny little things. And this was just, you know, five or six of these tiny little things that just really piled up <laughs> they really piled up they really just one thing fed the other and and ultimately 
you know, got delivered much later than the original intended ship date. But they're there. They're awesome. And now I want to talk about it. So the fifth day top and skirt was really born out of me thinking, you know, there's this like category of our clothes that I think of as like the fifth date outfit, which is it's nice. You still want to look nice. You don't want to look too like you don't want to look too nice because then you're high maintenance. But you don't want but you like it's a fifth date for God's sake. So like calm down. Like we still need to be presentable. And then there's all sorts of other events, I guess, that fit into that category. You know, you have like a nice work lunch or something, but it's not like business casual. You have, um, you know, you're meeting a friend or something like that. And you just like everyday events where you want to be dressed up nicer. And that I always found was a hard thing to fit in my closet. And I've always thought, I've always had a lot of thoughts about the whole dating thing. Um, and I've always had a lot of um, feelings, I guess you could say. And the thing that I found so interesting, especially when I was dating, um, and I, okay, I'm i just going to pause for a second and say that I fully acknowledge the irony and the ridiculousness of, um, you know, a happily married mother discussing these things. But it's my show and you're here. So there. Um, that's, yeah, these are my thoughts. Um, when I was dating, I found it really interesting that there was a lot of focus on, especially for women and girls, a lot of focus on how to make yourself more attractive. And I don't mean that in terms of looks, even though that was definitely a huge part of it. What kind of jobs will be good for dating? What kind of clothes will be good for dating? What kind of beliefs or ideas would be good for dating? What kind of fill in the blank would make me, would put me in the best position to attract the best husband, however that may come about. And the thing that I always found so interesting is that, and I found there were, there were a lot of, and I'll, and I'll speak from the girl side now because hi, I'm a girl. There was so much talk around the things that we could do to change ourselves that nobody ever really considered what would happen to those marriages when you get sick of keeping up the act. You know what I mean? I think, I, I really believe that people are who they are. And while change is certainly possible to a degree, for some people I think, I think that at a certain core level, there is just, there, there's a personality, there's, you know, there are just some things that you're into and some things that you're not. There are some things that you respond to and some things that you don't. There are just, there are some things that you just can't finesse away. And that doesn't make them bad. I'm not talking about like, there's not necessarily bad things. There's just, they're just part of who you are. And I think that eventually when you settle into your default factory settings, you go, you go back to those things. And if you date someone and continue to date someone based on a, a made-up personality, let's say, in the most extreme example, or based on something that you don't really like, or based on something that doesn't really make sense for you, I don't know if it would be a couple months, a year, 
five years, 10 years, I don't really know. But I would imagine that at some point you just get tired and you just can't keep up the act. And I was always so kind of fascinated by these things because, I mean, let, let's get real. The truth is that, especially in Orthodox circles, getting married young is expected. It's expected. It is highly valued. Um, you know, if you hit a certain age and you're not married, it's what's wrong with her. There is definitely a, there's a pressure there. There's a huge pressure there. And I understand how if somebody says, listen, this is the formula, this is what guys want, then it is tempting to try and follow that formula. But if you don't fit into whatever that ideal is, whether that be in terms of how you look, because we're not all size two, and let's just get real for a second. Um, not all of the men looking for supermodels are winning any, you know, beauty competitions on themselves. Take a look in the mirror, dude. But that's a different story. Um, but whether it's got to do with how you look or what you do or anything like that, um, I think that eventually the uh, if you try to change yourself, then eventually you just, I don't know, maybe if you can really change what, I, I don't know if someone could really change themselves to a point where it wouldn't eventually fall apart. When I was dating, I was constantly told um, that I was too ambitious, constantly. I even had one shotgun, one matchmaker, um, tell me that she was going to tell a specific guy that she wanted to set me up with that I was a teacher because she didn't think that he could, um, that he would like be receptive to someone who had their own business. I started Impact Fashion when I was 21. I got married when I was 22. I, I always say that my my business predates my marriage. Um, I told her, you're welcome to tell him that I am a teacher, but I'm not going to cover for you. And I will tell him that you lied and you will look like an idiot. Um, I don't know if I actually told her she will look like an idiot, but it was definitely implied. Um, and it was just... I mean, literally to that extent. I even remember I was telling an old lady in shul in my synagogue uh, what I was planning on doing, you know, that I was, this was while I was still in school. And I said, yeah, and I'm gonna, and I, at the time I was doing custom gowns and alterations and, and I run my own business. And, and she goes, well, that's not speech therapy. And no offense to speech therapists, but I thought that was pretty funny. And I was like, no, it's not speech therapy, which is like, you know, an acceptable profession to be in. Um, I was like, yes, I'm very much in, in an unacceptable profession. And people told me over and over and they and they were right. I didn't date a lot. Um, I really didn't date a lot. I I said no a lot before I even went out with people. Um, I think that a lot of people said no to me also um, because they were scared. Um, I, the the kind assumption is that they were scared because, um, you know, of like the inherent like financial risk in owning your own business and, you know, not having a steady income and all of that. That's, it's very possible. Um, is it possible that there are not that many good Jewish boys who want, you know, a girl who runs her own business? It's possible. I don't really know. What I do know, what the point of my story is, is that my wonderful husband thinks that my business is freaking awesome. And just because, you know, there are plenty of guys who don't mind ambitious women and there are plenty of guys who don't mind larger girls and there are plenty of guys who don't mind big noses and there are plenty of guys who don't mind PhDs and there are plenty of guys who don't mind women who make more than they do or whatever it is. And what a shame to think that you could be 
devoting time, effort, and energy to try to make yourself something you're not when your person probably, you know, is out there looking for someone exactly like you. And what I know for a fact, what I know for a fact to be true is that the things that make us different are our superpowers and people fall in love with each other's superpowers. There's no other way around that. So all, all of that is just interesting to think of when you think of like the whole dating timeline, um, specifically in Orthodox life. Um, the other thing I do want to say is that specifically when it comes to losing weight um, or doing extreme things, we do know that 95% of people who diet and who lose weight will gain it back and will gain back more. So uh, please, please make sure that you have more in common with any guy you're dating or anyone you're dating than not than the way that you look because it doesn't stick and what a and, and what a heartbreaking situation to be in um to realize that you never really liked each other anyways that might be a little bit extreme and morbid but keep an eye out and then the other thing that I was thinking a lot when it came you know not not so when it came to dating and marriage and, and all of that I did a fantastic episode of this show with Alex Fletcher and Rifki Silver of the DMC the DMC podcast and one of the things that we touched on was about how different things are valued in different societies and you know Alex made a, I'm nearly positive it was Alex who made this point that the career end of it no it was Rifki Rifki said that she had a neighbor who was not Jewish or I don't know if they were not Jewish, they were definitely not Orthodox, who um, had had elected to stay home with her kids. And she was basically saying how she was kind of jealous of Rifki's involvement in the Orthodox community because the role of mother is valued in the Orthodox community. And she was getting a lot of flack from family and from friends from leaving her career for to raise her kids. And there's definitely something there. Um, but what I found so interesting was how that, how that commented on the timeline that we assign. You know, because we emphasize getting married so young we very often get married and have families before we have careers and there's a lot of me that would wonder that wonders like what would happen if it was okay to just get married older what would happen if that was considered socially acceptable and I guess maybe in some more modern circles you can um you can see what that looks like and you know it's it's an interesting thought experiment I'm not really sure where it would lead but but it's it's something to think about. And I think that maybe the, I don't want to say antidote, but the something else to consider is I would love to see more men just used to the idea of women doing things that aren't necessarily home-based. Not to say that there's anything wrong with being a stay-at-home mom or being completely home-based. If that's a choice that you're making and if that fills your cup, go for it. Um, but I think that there are more people doing that from a place of pressure than from a place of want personal opinion either way a lot of these were a lot of the thoughts that were going through my head when I was creating the fifth date top and skirt and I want to get down to like the fun details so the fifth date top and skirt is designed to be worn together but can also be worn separately meaning you have a million and seven different mix and match options also any of the tops match with any of the skirts so yay no need to think I'm going to start with the top it is a beautiful luxurious like I have been putting it on and off to film some things um and I don't want to be wearing it the whole day I don't want it to get dirty so I'll like take off whatever I'm wearing and then put on the top and the second that I put it on I'm just like oh this feels so good like I can't wait until 
oh, now I can take the sample home and wear it all the time. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just realized that. Okay, anyways, it is a really, really, really luxurious, beautiful knit. It's made of a cotton elastane blend. So it's like as soft as cotton and elastane is basically a stretchy material. So it's got a nice amount of stretch in it, which is really, which is really comfortable. And then it has a bow. I was about to say bow tie, but that means something else. It has a bow on the shoulder. And what the bow basically does is that it creates this gathered draping effect through the entire top. So kind of imagine if you had like a drawstring over going from the neckline to the armhole, except that instead of having a drawstring there that like gathers it up and makes drapes, it's a bow um, that gathers up and makes drapes. It is incredibly flattering on all body types especially my girls with big girls which is my new favorite phrase by the way and it and if you and if you don't have a lot on top then like the draping fills itself out it's just a really really cool top um definitely you're going to want to google pictures of this because i feel like i maybe just butchered that explanation but moving on to the fifth date skirt which is an asymmetrical skirt also made of a cotton blend this one's a cotton poly blend so it makes it really durable and what that what this skirt has is all of these asymmetrical yokes and paneling and also a square godet insert so you get this really 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 beautiful cool effect that's asymmetrical that balances out um with the bow on the top so the bow on the top is on one side and then the asymmetrical godet is on the other so you get this really nice slash effect through the whole look if you decide to wear them together and it's just really nice <laughs> um the fabric is a yarn dyed fabric so it has a lot of dimension to it um and the skirt comes in two colors it comes in black um which i'm calling steel because it's more of like a gray and it comes in slate which is this really beautiful blue gray and then the top comes in black also comes in slate which is a perfect match to the slate skirt and then it comes in cobalt which is this really beautiful kind of like periwinkle blue that matches really nicely with both skirts so you can um all of them uh, the skirt is available in sizes 2 through 24 the top is available in sizes extra small through 2x which is equivalent to the same sizes 2 through 24 um they can be found at impactfashionnyc.com as always i'm happy to answer any questions that you might have about them uh you can find them at um um, you can find the pieces at impactfashionnyc.com and you can send any questions to my email. That's Rifky, R-I-V-K-Y, at impactfashionnyc.com. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes for the Fifth Day Top and Skirt. On last week's episode, my guest was Dr. Amy Barron. We spoke about her own infertility journey, dealing with multiple losses, and how I was supposed to have a baby was born. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 17 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together. And one last thing. As you know, I have partnered up with some fantastic Jewish female podcasters to share our shows and see if there's something that you might love. This week's feature is Jewish Money Matters with Yael Trush. Here's more. Hey there, I'm Yael Trush, host of Jewish Money Matters podcast. I want to invite you to join me in the only podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. And honestly, where we talk about this money, personal finance and business stuff in a fun, positive and uplifting way. 
every week, my guests and I bring you practical and spiritual tools to help you build wealth and break free from the shackles of financial worry. Every Friday, I'm back on the show answering your questions in an Ask Yael episode. Everything from money management, money mindset, marriage and money, children and money, Judaism and money, growing your money, whatever is on your money or business mind. This show is where we're going to speak openly, honestly, and Jewishly about money so that you can design and build the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Join me in this important, uplifting, and engaging conversation at Jewish Money Matters Podcast on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you there.